Welcome to Assimilating to the Country of God. My name is Kenji Kuriyama and I will be your presenter today. Alright. <laughs> How y'all doing? Doing good? Alright. Praise God. We're in synergy. We're going to learn today. We're excited to talk about um, this right here. <laughs> um, so before I start, I want to tell you that there's a possibility that some of you will leave this session and someone will ask you, hey, so what was that class, assimilating, assimilation and stuff like that? And you're going to say, oh, the new Chi Alpha got at Ohio State. I feel like all he talked about was discipleship. Okay. And when that happens, I'm going to say, amen, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Because <laughs> in Chi Alpha, everything is about discipleship. And I believe when we boil everything down to, most things end up being about discipleship. But lately... I've been trying to even change the word discipleship to disciple-making. I think it's a little more accurate. Um, I think it boils down to disciple-making. The, the question I always ask myself in ministry in Chi Alpha, um, it's almost always, are people making disciples, and are we helping them, equipping them appropriately to make disciples? And to go one more step further, it's not just about disciple-making, but are those disciples making more disciples? So I don't think we're merely about discipleship. I think we're about disciple-making, disciple-making, if, <laughs> if that's the word. Disciple-making, disciple-making. So we're going to talk about assimilation today. And I didn't grow up in the church. I didn't go to church. I was saved in Chi Alpha. So I'm sorry, I don't know a lot of church words, churchy words. So assimilation is one of them. <laughs> I didn't know what it was. Um, but I want to bring my own understanding of the word assimilation and how that plays out um, in, the, in the church and in the kingdom of God. And I'm hoping that my perspective of assimilation would help us today and how to understand church and how to understand um, the kingdom of God. So the premise is basically there's someone new who's coming to Chi Alpha or church. How do we get them from being the new guy or the new girl in, in the ministry to he or she is one of us, right? That's what assimilation sounds like to me. He's one of us. It's, he, they're, they're one of us. So the way I want to present, present it is, is in two sections. So theory and practice. Theory and practice. I'm a big picture guy. I'm a, also an artsy guy. I went to music school. So, you know, I like these theoretical, philosophical things. And I apologize if you don't think that way, but that's how I think. And um, try to talk, you know, speak about pra pragmatics and mind as much as possible. And the practice part, obviously, uh, that will be how we apply these concepts and theories. So, theory, practice. So, within theory, I want to lay out this goal for assimilation, and the conclusion and the goal is this. This is the goal. Salty, yeasty, fishy ambassadors. Salty, yeasty, fishy ambassadors. This is the goal. This is the conclusion of the class. This is where we're going. So if we remember that, uh, we're going to go there. So to set up this foundation of my concept, uh, I want to tell you about my background a little bit. So I came to the United States in 2005 to pursue a college degree in music. I am from Costa Rica, was born in Costa Rica, raised in Costa Rica 18 years of my life. My dad is Japanese. I went to Japanese school. So in a classroom like this in Costa Rica, it was all Japanese, right? All the, all the things. So I learned how to speak Japanese. I learned culturally what a Japanese person is like. So I'm not just bilingual because I speak both languages. I'm, I also consider myself bicultural. So from 8.30 to 3 p.m., I was in Japan, inside Costa Rica. Everything was Japanese, TV, friends, everything, science, math, all that. 
And after school, after 3 p.m., everything was Costa Rica. So it was, you know, Latino, dancing, salsa, all that stuff, right? So that's who I am, Japanese, Costa Rican. There's about 50 of us in the world. So <laughs> we're in <laughs> danger of extinction. <laughs> Not a, a very rare breed, right? Um, but bless, bless, bless God. <laughs> so I went to Louisiana State University, LSU. And my friends at LSU, they teased me a lot. You know, I came as an international student. And the problem is green card, right? <laughs> we need to have a green card to be able to stay in the U.S. I, I came as a student visa, so they always tease me, hey, you got to get a green card, man. How are you going to get a green card? Are you going to marry an, an American? <laughs> you know, that was always, we got to set up Kenji with an American so he can stay here. So that was how they teased me. Um, so I got married to an American. <laughs> 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 Praise God. <laughs> I met with our lawyer, and he says, I need a green card, you know. And he says, well, the best thing to do is to get married. That's the easiest way, you know. And that's how I got my green card. And he says, I want to ask another thing. Do you guys have a baby? Because a baby makes it even more easier. So we made a baby. Uh, <laughs> this is our daughter, Inori. <laughs> when she was small, now she looks more like this. So that's our daughter, Inori. <laughs> so the reason why the lawyer asked these questions is because um, whenever we go through the interview of Green Card, they want to know, is this person really committed, right? So if they have a baby, that's a huge commitment, you know. Um, some people actually get fake marriages to, in order to get green cards. I'm hoping they don't make a baby, you know, but that's illegal, obviously. So don't, please don't do that. Uh, but, you know, if you're married, you get a green card. That's just how, just how it works. Um, so anyways, through all this, because of my romantic relationship, a commitment to Sierra, my wife, I was granted permanent residency in this country, and now I'm a green card holder. So this is what my green card looks like. Um, it was a rough morning, <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, man, I don't look like, you know, anyways, so, um, it's a very strange thing. The United States of America is willing to give a permanent residency, even citizenship, um, to someone who's chosen to commit their lives to a fellow citizen, you know, marriage. The government looks at them and say, well, you may not look like me or us, you may not talk like us or act like us, but... You know, since you decided to commit your life to one of us, well, yeah, we'll consider you one of us. It's a little strange. It's amazing. You can't do it with dating. You can't go to the government and say, hey, this is my girlfriend. You know, I'm one of you. They're like, no, you have to be married, which is just signing a paper. But that's important. That means a lot to the United States of America. Are you married to this person? So I was granted access to the country through love. It was an access through love. What's cool is that the kingdom of God... Hi, good morning. Hi. I believe the kingdom of God is very similar. Uh, who likes to read the Bible in different languages? Not, sorry, not languages. Different versions, right? Translations, yeah. Good. Uh, I'm sorry. I gave it away. <laughs> so I was being a good Bible, stu Bible student. I was reading my Bible in a different translation. And I usually tell people to repeat after me, but no one can read it. <laughs> that was the joke, and I messed it up. Sorry. Um, so, this is my Japanese Bible. It says, Nani yori mo mazu kami no kuni to kami no gi o motome nasai. So, sureba, kore ra no mono wa mina ataete kuwaerareru. Do you guys see the word kami no kuni right there? You see it? Sorry. Kami no kuni right there. The translation of kami no kuni in Japanese is the country of God. The country of God. And sometimes there's a word here that says 
the country of God, right? The country. This is the country that, that means a lot to God, like the Ohio State University, right? The country of God. This may be subtle, but I think it makes a big difference because we don't live in a kingdom. We have a prison. This is a country. This isn't like Spain. Spain has a kingdom. Spain is a kingdom. The United States is not a kingdom. But when we think of a country, I think it's more relatable. We understand a little bit better. Except this is a very different type of country. Um, just like the U.S., you may enter the country by obtaining permanent residency if you show your commitment and your love towards a person. In this case, his name is Jesus Christ, right? If you commit your life, you say, I, I will, you know, you're Lord of my life forever, then the country of God says, we grant you access. You can be one of us. But this is a really strange country because it's got no borders, no land. It's somehow on earth, but it's also in heaven. We're in it, but at the same time, we're in a different country at the same time. It's very strange. But what distinguishes this, this country from other countries is the same thing that makes each country in the world unique, and that is people. People is what makes each country unique. The kingdom of God is about people. I think we've heard this before, but we make up the country of God. It's not about a place. It's not about a city. It's not about a temple. It's not about a church. It's always about the people. The people makes up the country of God. And that's why the Jews were so confused when Jesus says, I'm going to come and destroy the temple and raise it up in three days. Like, well, what are you talking about? They were expecting a different type of country when they were you know, hearing these prophecies, uh, we're prophesying, the prof uh, prophets, they thought, you know, this king was going to come, this general commander was going to come and take over and build a new country. But that wasn't the plan of God. He's going to do it through people. There's a really awesome scripture, Hebrews 11. I love this scripture. It says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was received an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise as in foreign land, living in the tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has no foundations, whose designer and builder is God. If we skip to verse 13, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. For people who speak thus... Make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had the opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called as God, for he has prepared for them a city. We're always looking forward to a homeland, a country. The Israelites thought it was actual Israel. Jesus comes and says, that's not your country anymore. I'm building a new country, the country of God. It's got no land, no borders. Anyone can get in. If you're Jew or Gentile, it doesn't matter. Everyone can get in. I'm making something new. He's up to something new. So through Jesus Christ, we get a permanent residency into the country of God. In other words, Jesus is our green card, right? <laughs> Jesus is our green card. So let me explain. We get to enjoy the benefits of this country of God only and only because we love Jesus and we've committed our lives to Him. We love Him. We follow Him the rest of our lives. He's like... That it means so much to the Father that we love His Son that He grants us access, entrance. Just like United States of America. Oh, you love one of our daughters? You're one of us too, right? Another strange thing about this country is that whenever we enter the country, we also become part of the family of God. We're adopted as sons and daughters, right? So that's why I get to call you guys, you know, brothers and sisters. Pastor Travis was talking about it with Saul too. But your brothers and sisters, then I mean it. 
because we are part of the same family. It's a very strange country because once you get a green card, it's like, you know, the president or whatever, he's now your dad. Right? And we're all family. We're brothers and siblings. That doesn't happen in normal countries. There are countries that are similar, you know, when the monarchy has a lot of, you know, <laughs> offspring and heirs, and it feels like that. But that's how our country is made up. We are given DNA. When we enter the country of God, we become family, right? Our identity comes from being part of this family and being part of this country of God. And we receive benefits from being part of the family. We're family. We love each other. We're there for each other. We take care of each other. And just like any family, we do that. So something that comes with kingdom identity, it's also kingdom culture, right? So every country has a culture. And that culture exists because every country is made out of people, People develop this unique thing called culture. It has to do with values, characteristics, preferences, and all agree to make up this thing called culture. Culture is identity. It gives me an identity. This is who I am because I'm part of this culture. I'm Japanese, and I love the Japanese things because I am Japanese. It's weird, but I'm also Costa Rican, so I love the Costa Rican things. I act like one. I eat the Costa Rican things because I am Costa Rican. It's who I am. It's what makes up who I am. A country has its culture. It's made me part of that culture. But legally, what determines whether I'm Japanese or not for real, it's actually one thing, my passport. So this is my Japanese passport, right? This is what makes me Japanese, officially, legally, right? So it doesn't matter if I talk like it, act like it, eat like one, doesn't matter. No one can refute that I have this thing and therefore I am Japanese. I'm, I have a passport. Very surprisingly, the country of God works similarly. All we need is a passport. People's opinions don't matter. You know, what matters is does the country of God consider you a citizen? Does the father consider you a family member? That's why the parable of the sheep and goats, you know, when, when he separates them, he says, I don't know you. Or the people come like, didn't we prophesy? I don't know you. Does the Father know you? Do you have a passport? Does the country consider you a citizen? That's all that matters. Does the Holy Spirit live inside you? Are you born again? doesn't matter how Christian you act and you speak and whatever. If you are not the fathers, if you're not a true heir, a true son or daughter, your entry will be denied to the country of God. So yes, even if we struggle with sin, if we don't look like Jesus sometimes, it doesn't really matter. All that matters is, are we born again? Do we have a passport? So I want to explain this thing uh, a little bit with two, ja two different Japanese people. These are African Japanese. So they're black Japanese people. The first one is Osaka Naomi, or Naomi Osaka. I don't know if anyone knows who Naomi is. She's a tennis player. If you don't know, she beat Serena Williams at the US Open a few years ago, right? And she's done amazing things. One thing that's very interesting about Osaka is that she doesn't speak Japanese really well. She actually grew up in, I think it was in Florida and New York. So a lot of times, you know, it was difficult for her to be considered Japanese. And she doesn't act like one. She doesn't speak like one. And Japanese people were islanders. So if you're not part of the island, if you're not from the island, you're not one of us. If you don't speak like us, if you have an accent, it's like, I don't, need, I don't think you're one of us. If you remember, about 200 years, Japan closed its borders. It was an absolutely isolated country for 200 years. We're very much about our people. Foreigners are not one of us. Even if you try to act like one, we will hear your accent. The moment we hear your accent, we'll judge you. You're not one of us. But why is she celebrated in Japan? 
The only reason is because she has a Japanese passport. If she has a Japanese par passport on the TV next to her name, there's a Japanese flag, right? She's Japanese officially. And she's done great things, right? She, she beat the US Open first time, a Japanese person. So everyone's like, yes, Japan, come on. So yeah, of course, she's great. She has a Japanese passport. Yeah, you're one of us, right? Um, but that's really what matters, a passport. The next person is Hachimura Rui. Rui Hachimura. I don't know if you know this person. He was playing for Gonzaga as a basketball player. Now he's with the Wizards, a very accomplished NBA player. One of the first NBA players um, from Japan. The difference is he grew up in Japan. Rui grew up in Japan. He ate like a Japanese. His mom cooked Japanese food. He doesn't have an accent. He's truly, truly Japanese. He says he doesn't like burgers. So, you know, it's like I see this like tall, big African-American guy. He's like, I I'm going to stick with sushi, you know, because this is my food. Like he, he doesn't act like an American because he's not American. He's Japanese, very unlike Osaka. So although they're very different people culturally, they have one thing in common. They have a Japanese passport. They both have a Japanese passport. That's what matters. But my dad said something really profound about Osaka. He said, um, I said, Dad, why do, you, why do they you know, consider Osaka a Japanese even though she doesn't speak Japanese? That's like a taboo. And my dad said, well, because she's so accomplished. You know? She's done great things. We love to, do we love to take the credit? But he said, well, just, but yet, just to wait. The moment she says something, or does something wrong, or something, you know, that rubs us the wrong way, we're all gonna say, well, she's not really Japanese, <laughs> right? <laughs> but that's true, that's how they feel, that's how they think. However, um, even though behaviors don't matter, if you're part of a country, you naturally become more and more like the country of that, pe of, of the people of, of that country. Jesus says, I do what I see the Father do. And we need to do the same. We need to become more and more like the Father. And that happens naturally. I have been practicing English for about 14 years now. And I like to think that I've gotten pretty good at my accent. I still have it. But every now and then, when I don't know somebody, in the first two minutes, they, they're like, oh, yeah, you're from America. You know, it's like, oh, you're not from America? And I said, just wait a few more minutes and you'll notice the accent. And I don't understand some American expressions, stuff like that. Um, so... I'll reveal who I am. But I've become more and more American. I've assimilated to this country. Um, I eat like an American, right? I love American food. My daughter is American. I have been transformed. I've assimilated to, the, to this country. The same thing needs to happen to the people of the country of God. The longer you're part of this country, the more you will behave like one. The problem is that we have made up rules and we've established these cultural behaviors and we'll label them Christian when sometimes I don't know if it's truly from the Father or is this made up thing from evangelical America, right? Um, but I'm not here to tell you what rules and behaviors we need to create to really be a Christian. What I want to say is that the people of the country of God love each other. And they love the snot out of each other. And that's what matters. That's how they'll know we're the citizens of this country. And just like living in another country, the more life you spend with other people, the citizens of the country, the more you'll become like them. The reason why I've been able to become more American is because I've hung out with American people. I've lived in a country saturated with American people. It just, I just absorb it. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 5. 
He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. This is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciled to the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and trusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we're ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. If you didn't know, this is the Chi Alpha verse. Chi Alpha, the initials are XA, Christus Apostolos, which translates to Christ's ambassadors. Since we live in a country, but also outside of it. So just to remind what an ambassador is, he or she is a representative of a country in another country. There are embassies in different countries all over the U.S. The Japanese ambassador represents me. The Costa Rican ambassador also represents me. There are these ambassadors all over the country and the world. Since we are the ambassadors of the country of God, we represent God. However, we're more than representatives. We're here also to join in God's mission to rescue refugees. So we're agents of rescue, co-workers in Christ, to bring the gospel, invite people to obtain permanent residency into the country of God in heaven, the kingdom of God. We want to expand our family and find orphans that have been looking a father entire lives. We have a mission, this foundation and understanding that I have when I think about the country of God. doing on earth is this we're imperialists we want to expand our country but our territory is people and our weapon is love right we're imperialists the parable of Minas if you remember Luke 19 I'm not going to read the whole thing because you probably know it but the beginning as they heard these things he proceeded to tell the parable because he was near to Jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately so that's the context. A little bit of exegesis. He goes on to talk about this noble man. He gives minutes to all these people, the servants, and they need to come back with more money, right? They need to make it bigger. So the ones who had growth, he, were, he rewarded more. And the one who had little, even the little that they had was taken away. Um, and terrible, thing, terrible things happened to the people who didn't grow their money. But the important part is here because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. Jesus is trying to fix that because that's wrong. People thought again that Jesus was going to come as a general commander, uh, a commander of army and, and establish this kingdom by, you know, by himself basically. But the kingdom of God, the country of God will come through us. It will be by the people. We are going to use our gifts and talents that God has given us. So as we invest in the kingdom of God with, with risks, um, that we have for the kingdom, we engage in business. That's what he wants, right? He said, you could at least put it in the bank. He's all about business. So he's definitely a capitalist, right? (laughs) You got to invest, man. You could at least put it in the bank, right? Um, So he's about multiplying, investing and multiplying. We have a business major. We have business majors in OSU. And let's suppose that you win the lottery, right? And you get a million bucks just from the lottery. If you meet one of our business students at OSU, the last thing a business student would do is to keep it in a safe and not do anything with it. They would think about a thousand ways they can give, get this million dollars and grow it even bigger, right? That's how they, they think. Um, actually, I have a student who built, he's 19 years old, he built his own investment company, and he said, Kenji, invest because I'll, I'll get your daughter's college, you know, paid for with my investment. 
I'm not going to trust him because he's 19 years old. But that's how they think. You know, business majors, come on, give me some money and I'll make you grow. Right? And, you know, sometimes these students get judged or they judge themselves because their majors are all about money. But I think there's an important kingdom principle there. Investment. We need to invest. We need to risk ourselves. So I want to tell people, you know, what any business student at OSU would tell these guys whenever they win the lottery and have a million dollars and all they do is they're scared, so they put it away. What I want to tell them is, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? You know, any business major would say that, what are you doing? Don't you know that you have so much potential? Our people in our churches, they have so much potential. There's so much talent. There's so much opportunities to invest in the country of God and multiply the riches of heaven. But instead, a lot of people are dormant, scared, not risk takers, not adventurous. Risky investment. I think this is what Kyle is about. And this is what the kingdom, the country of God is about. We are ambassadors. This is how I got saved. This is how I got to know Jesus. There was an ambassador. His name was Jacob Benda. This ambassador, he told me about this amazing country that he was part of and the citizens of this country. He introduced me to other citizens. They all showed me how amazing this country was. This country changed their lives. It transformed them from the inside out. And not just that.